This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Good evening and welcome to Rock and Roll Autopsy. We are the forensic files on your radio dial my name is scott and have we got a great show for you tonight no we don't damn it the phone is ringing again it's the request line all right let's pick it up wrnra east of the rockies hey breather what's going on man you want me to help you score some blow Are you serious? I'm sorry, man. Listen, I appreciate you calling in and supporting the show, but I draw the line at buying narcotics for listeners. Too risky. What do you mean you got to be gacked out on coke to enjoy our shitty podcast? Listen, you called the request line. Is there a song you'd like us to perform an autopsy on? Cocaine by Eric Clapton? You got it. All right, buckle up, gang. The subject of our rock and roll autopsy tonight will be Cocaine by Slowhand himself, Eric Clapton. We'll get the show started after these very important messages from our sponsors. Wake up in the morning, never slap around the place. Wake up in the morning, never crackle in your face. Wake up in the morning, there's a pop that really says rice. This is for you and you. Breaking news! What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. This is the news. All right, gang, we've got our intrepid rock and roll beat reporter with us tonight. Rico Blitzer is on the line. Seven-time Silver Sow Award winner. Rico, how are you tonight? Fantastic. How are things on your end tonight? Man, I am ready for some rock and roll news, baby. Yeah, dude, we didn't have a chance to yet to talk about this Meg White stuff that's going on. Um, As we all know, there is a uh, political journalist. Um, His name is Lachlan Marque, I believe is how you say his name. He had some pretty not so great things to say about Meg White's um, percussion skills. Um, And I didn't, I wanted to, talk to you about this because i just think it's absolutely ridiculous that somebody says that um white stripes are fantastic she is fantastic for that band um i have and and thankfully the music industry is backing her on this because they ought to because she's she has such a unique skill set and her sound is so unique and i don't think white stripes would be nearly what they are without that unique sound what did this man have to say about her did he say she sucks or not a very good drummer he said um the white stripes would have been a better band with a quote-unquote half a half decent drummer um yeah i've i've heard all that i've heard yeah I've heard all the, but it's a carefully crafted sound man takes, but I'm sorry. Meg White was a terrible, was terrible. And no band is better for having shitty percussion is what he said. Yikes, man. That dude brought the fire. 
One might say that's a hot take. Um, that is a very hot take. Listen, here's what I have to say about this, and then I want to get your opinion. Let's look at, we, we have to, and this guy is a, a political journalist apparently, and so he ought to really just stick to politics and stay out of the music discussion. Um, only us highly scientifically trained technicians are allowed to speak on this topic. It takes a lot of work a lot of training, a lot of years to be able to have the kinds of discussions that we have, and he should just stick to politics. Having said that, um, uh, Ringo Starr was not the best drummer for the Beatles. Pete Best was actually a better drummer than Ringo Starr was, but Ringo Starr was better for the band, okay? Um, nobody's complaining that uh, Phil Rudd was an awful drummer, but he was great for that band, right? Not everybody is Neil Peart. Not everybody is Matt Garstka. Not everybody is John Bonham. Uh, Charlie Watt, here's another great example. He's not the, the most technically fantastic drummer on the planet. And when the Rolling Stones have been plowing through everybody for the last 85 years, nobody has ever said, yeah, but they would be better if they had a different drummer. Nobody ever said that. <laughs> Because he was great for that band. Those those guys are they, they were exactly what that band needed for that band to be great. And White Stripes is no different. Meg White is exactly what that band needed for that band to be what that band is. Yeah, it's you're a thousand percent correct. Imagine how absurd the White Stripes would sound with like Mike Portnoy on drums or oh Stuart Copeland or something. It, it would just be ridiculous. <laughs> It would be absolutely ridiculous. Here's 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 my take on it is that and you basically said, I mean, I, I can't argue with anything you said. You basically vocalized it. But I'll just add this. I hate the way only a man would have this take because men want to always turn sports in. I mean, music into athletics, you know, into sport. And it makes me insane. You know, it becomes more about gymnastics and who can do what on their instrument and that matters in some instances in some bands in some songs but not in every instance in every band in every song right and for the white stripes again it would be super absurd for them to have some technician back there behind the kit it wouldn't work at all for the music you just you needed what meg white gave that band you know for charlie charlie watts for the rolling stones you need soul you know you need feel you need that laid back groove that foundation that only he was able to provide he was the heartbeat of the band you know so again it's just only men do this where they turn music into athletic competition. Women don't listen to music this way. It's just a uniquely men thing where we just turn fucking music into another opportunity to measure one another's dicks. And it's ridiculous. And in this it's instance, the person in question doesn't even have a penis. So get off Meg White's ass. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. If Meg White was not a woman, this comment probably would not have been made um and there yeah. are plenty there are plenty plenty of superb and superbly technical drummers out there that are on the level of mike portnoy or matt garska or any of those other guys i i've seen them i, I think in percussion that's the first thing i hear when i hear music is what's the percussion doing um Thomas Haka is one of my favorite drummers and he's ridiculously technical, but there are plenty of female drummers out there that are that good. There's, as you know, there's plenty of female guitarists that, that can shred like a mother, like as good as anybody. We've both seen them. That's true. So lay the fuck off of Meg White because she's a goddamn woman. Okay. She's perfect for that band. There's nothing wrong with the way she drums. That band would not sound nearly what they sound like if there was somebody else doing it. Agreed. What else is All in right. the news? All right. We got one more before we take a break and uh, do our autopsy. So have you heard? So let's, let's, uh, hold on. before I say this, let's take a step back. So last week, 
was Dark Side of the Moon's 50th anniversary. Um, we've we've talked about the album ad nauseum, and and a lot of people have too. I don't really want to go into the album per se, but I do want to say one quick thing about the album before we go into Nick Nick Mason's comments about Roger Waters, which is the point of this. I want to give a big heads up to Claire Torrey. Nobody talks about her enough, in my opinion. They always talk about the guys, but nobody talks about Claire Torrey enough. If it, for, for those who have, who have their head buried in the sand, she's the female voice on Dark Side of the Moon. This album would not be the same without her. She is hugely responsible for the greatness of this album. Her vocals are superb, amazing. Claire, if you're out there and you happen to run across this podcast, mad respect to you. I work with a guy whose brother is one of your neighbors, actually. And the guy that I work with has nothing but great things to say about you. He says you are a very nice person and have been very nice to him for as long as he's known you. And so mad, mad respect to you. This album would not be the same without you. Um, So I had to get that out. But um, so we all know that we all know what Roger Waters said about the band and about Dark Side of the Moon. I agree with him, actually. I covered that last week. But more importantly, Nick Mason had some things to say about the reimagining of Dark Side of the Moon that Roger Waters has been doing right now. And he, Nick Mason said he's heard, he's heard the tracks and he said that they're brilliant and he absolutely endorses reimagining of music and feels like we we don't do enough of that and i just i i thought that was i thought that was pretty amazing of him to say that that he is not only for roger waters doing this but that he's kind of that that he he feels like reimagining and being creative on top of something that's already been created and reworking it and making it into something different that that's actually a good thing and we should be doing more of that and i wanted to get your opinion on that i struggle with like who the audience is for this reimagined take on the dark side of the moon i'm gonna listen to it because i'm a roger waters fan and i listen to whatever he puts out but I I know I'm also in the minority there. Um, I don't know who this is for. You know, if the idea is like we're well, reimagining it, could introduce it to a new generation. No, it's not. Not the way he's doing it. It very much sounds like an 80 year old man talking over you know redone Dark Side of the Moon tracks, right? So I don't know. Like I really struggle like to kind of wrap my brain around who this is for. It feels like. It feels like an ego-driven project from Roger Waters to kind of, I don't know, to grind some axe, you know? And, I mean, I'm happy that, you know, Nick Mason said it was, I think he said it was annoyingly brilliant or something like that, (laughs) you know? I'm happy that he has good things to say about it. I'm interested in hearing it, but maybe that's who it's for. Maybe it's for people like me. But I just I just struggle to kind of wrap my mind around like in a big picture who this is for. Um, it's kind of an interesting way to celebrate one of the greatest rock albums of all time, but it does feel like it's coming from a different place to me. That's my take on it. Um, yeah, I feel like in my opinion, they're, they're, the reason why he's doing this is to prove to the world that he really didn't need the other guys in order to make this yeah, album great. That's what I mean. <laughs> He's got an axe to grind. And is well, that sure? That's precisely why he's doing this. Yeah, I mean, but Rico, is that really a reason to like take a somewhat controversial pass at another at an all-time classic record? You know, it'd be like imagine a world where Paul McCartney redoes Sgt. Pepper's despite John Lennon. I mean, it's just weird, right? How many but but here and here's I'm gonna parallel this and maybe it's not a good parallel, but how many in the last, I don't know, 20 years maybe when people started rebooting movies? How many movies Ooh. have been how many movies have been rebooted 
that didn't necessarily need to be rebooted or franchises that didn't need to be added on to that have gotten added on to that everybody is totally okay with. But when Roger, Wal- Roger Waters wants to reboot something or add on to something and everybody all of a sudden has a problem with it. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I, I'm going to, but I'll push back on this. I mean, I think a lot of the rebooted movies, I think they're okay to a new generation, but to people who appreciated the originals always get kind of pissed when people remake or re reimagine or reboot a movie, right? I know I do when they remake a movie that I love. I'm always like, fuck you. Go back and watch the original. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't give me this shit like, well, it looks dated or whatever. It's like no one rewrites Mark Twain. It's like you go back and you read the literature and you either appreciate it or you don't, you know, um, you have yeah, to deal but with dude, it. You like me. Sorry to interrupt you. You like me, for example, to bring up one example that you could relate to. You and I both really like the but you really love the christopher nolan batmans don't you yeah but that's yeah i mean that's different takes on i see what you're saying i mean it's different interpretations of that character i guess i was thinking of more like straight movie remakes when they you know if they're remaking i don't know they remake a nightmare on elm street you know and it's like there's nothing wrong with it. go back and watch the original the remake was terrible you know what i mean it's like all of these they remake the halloween movies go back and watch john carpenter's don't watch rob zombies it's awful right and most of these remakes are usually bad but i'm really the guy who's in the wrong with that because the truth is is that that younger people don't want to go back and watch an old movie they'd rather watch a lesser they don't know that i think it's a lesser version they don't care what i think they're they want to watch something recent with like you know shot digitally and with good special effects right well and and, and you're you're right and 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 those movies a lot of them aren't that good but nobody nobody knew that they weren't going to be good before they weren't before they knew they weren't going to be good when people hear about these kind of movies being made generally people are i mean there are the purists who are against that kind of thing but the the general bell curve of america is wants to see it and wants to see what new things they came up with or what new way they decided to tell tell this story that they have already seen once and yeah, the Roger Waters exclusively done Dark Side of the Moon might be garbage, but it might not be. We don't know until it's released. Well, here's the thing with movies, they're remaking movies for two reasons. One, to leverage the existing equity in the brand. So there's money in them, their hills. So they're trying True. to extract more money out of an existing franchise. And two, they want to introduce it to a new generation of paying customers to keep the franchises alive, right? Yes. With Dark Side of the Moon and it being remade by a man who's 80 years old, I just don't see how the music is going to appeal to anybody in terms of introducing to new fans. I don't think it is. I think it's going to appeal to existing Pink Floyd fans and Roger Waters fans, and that's it. So it kind of, to me, is like, well, why does it exist? And I think it only exists, again, because he's got an axe to grind with people. Oh, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's 100% the reason why he's doing it. What if, though, what if he, do you think, do you think he actually has it in him? And he's pretty motivated right now to do this and when somebody you'd be surprised what you can accomplish when you're motivated enough and he's pretty fucking motivated right now do you think he has it in him to create something that younger generations might actually latch on to you think he has it in him you think he's motivated enough no but i don't think you he think he cares to. i don't think that's why he makes music and i don't think it's why pink floyd has ever made music to appeal to people they've kind of been just the opposite they've kind of been steadfast in being you know non-commercial and have always kind of done things i mean this is a band that routinely has nine minute songs and songs with 15 different parts you know shine on you crazy diamond parts one through nine you know what i mean this is not (laughs) stuff made for radio 
You know what I mean? It's That's amazing true. that they've been on the radio for 40, 50 years because, I mean, listen to the shit they were doing. Listen to Umagama. Listen to Echoes and all that crap they did. They were not doing commercial music. I don't think it's ever been their goal. to. In fact, when Roger Waters started getting fans and getting an audience, he spit on them and then wrote a record about it. Well, that's you know true. I mean? Well, it's a good thing he doesn't have to worry about songs being three and a half minutes for radio airplay because those those days are long gone so he it, which actually works <laughs> to his favor from a certain point of view because he doesn't have to work within the confines of radio airplay so now he's got free reign to create whatever the fuck he wants to whatever direction he wants to take this in he doesn't have to worry about fitting it into a three and a half minute minute radio spot he can make it whatever he wants so it could be it could be echoes and echoes would be totally fine now because echoes doesn't have to fit in the radio because there isn't radio anymore so from that perspective it kind of kind of frees him up a little bit because he doesn't have those those constraints that he has to worry about anymore right yeah, I mean, you know, Pink Floyd had a handful of radio tracks in their day and when radio mattered, but Roger has been largely free of any of that his entire career and certainly in his solo career and enough, virtually nothing he's done with his solo career going back to like 1980 or whatever it was in the early 80s when he went solo has ever gotten radio airplay. So I mean, That's he's, true. he's been without that for, you know, it's been a non-factor. But that's true well i like you will be chomping at the bit to hear this whenever it comes out i'm i'm really uh for, for i mean i think it'll be good might be bad but for no other reason i'm gonna at least be rubbernecking the hell out of this album to see what it sounds like you know what i mean so i can't wait till it comes out so having said that we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna talk slow hand and cocaine We'll be right back. Cause we gotta, 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 get down, damn The weekend never ends on WMMS Cleveland. We are gathered here to remember rock and roll. Rock was born the rambunctious son of country western and blues. In the year of our Lord, 1955, on this day, the birth of rock and roll, gifted under the world a gyrating pelvis, a throbbing beat, and a pulsating rhythm, a sound so infectious and rollicking that it would endow previously scrupulous young minds with identity, individualism, and purpose, thus setting forth a multi-generational pursuit of all that is loud, debaucherous, and unholy. But, sadly, like all earthly endeavors, rock too must perish. Oh, we mourn the loss of rock and roll, with its ridiculously old standard bearers still on tour and charging ungodly amounts of Mad Jack to witness their long past the sell-by-date asses on stage, and with its chauvinism, misogyny, and whiteness no longer aligning with modern sensibilities, and with its aging, fist-shaking fan base kicking every would-be rocker off their proverbial lawn, rock has indeed passed into the celestial void. May rock rest in peace in eternal cacophonous slumber. Amen. Thank you for that, Scott. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. The Autopsy Report. All right, ladies and germs, welcome back. We've got uh, Cocaine, written by J.J. Kale, actually. Um, recorded, and he wrote that in 1976 and recorded it in 1976. Then Eric Clapton 
uh, recorded it for the Slohan album, which was released in 1977. Um, and it was produced by Glenn Johns. And um, it's a very, you know, radio friendly two minutes and some change. That's a pretty quick song. Um, so that's it. The cocaine. Uh, JJ Kale, founder, kind of organizer of the Tulsa sound, which we'll kind of touch on a little bit as we go along. So um, there you go, Scott. There's your little rundown. Thank you, Rico. You rock. Speaking of rock, it's rock and roll autopsy. Eric Clapton, slow hand. Dude stole my album title. I was going to write an album about beating off and call it slow hand. <laughs> but um, slow hand, Eric Clapton, also my nickname. Um, rock and roll autopsy, the song cocaine. We got to find out if it killed rock and roll to do so. We are going to use science and we are going to use five categories. They are gratuitous boomerism, excessive misogyny, wanton whiteness, malignant machismo, and culture vulturism. The song is cocaine. The artist, Eric Clapton. Rico, the category is gratuitous boomerism. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> How do you score? Well, um, I didn't bother to look it up, but because I'm an idiot. Um, what, when was he born? Does he get the gratuitous uh, half point, or is he older than that? Hold tight. Hold tight. Hold tight. The, okay, he 45. Born, 45. He's born he got 45. there faster than me. Yeah, so that pre... Doesn't that predate boomerism? No, that's, that is that's the first year. Okay, so he gets the point five for boomerism, for being a boomer, barely. Okay, so then you take that and combine it with the the blue scale, boomer bends, double stops, on a fender strat. That is full on 1.0 for boomerism. Full on 1.0 in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he is a year one boomer, 1945. I love the fact that you brought up Boomer Benz. I'd completely forgotten about this. Um, thank you, uh, Polyphia. Um, was thank it Tim you. Henson, right? Tim Henson. Thanks for coining that phrase, Tim. Yeah, be because now I have a way to kind of contextualize this entire era. And Eric Clapton, the slow hand himself, not from sitting on it so that it falls asleep, so that he can then masturbate and make believe that it's someone else like Rico does <laughs> all the time, baby. <laughs> but, <laughs> has the slow hand joke already worn out its welcome? I'll move on. Never. Not when you're emotionally 13 like we are. It never gets old. And by the way, Tim Henson added to our science. So thank you for that, Tim. Um, quick digression since we're emotionally 13. I'm taking and talking a dump. about beating off. So, talking about beating off. I'm taking a dump at work this morning and I look down between my legs and I notice that my underwear is on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not backwards. It was inside out. And really? I'm, yeah. So here's the question. Instantly, my, my thought is, oh, my God, I got to flip my underwear around. They're inside right. out. But then yeah. I thought, well, no, I've already rolled with this for so long. I've been farting in it. I probably got a little dribble going on. You know, what do you do? So what do you do? What do you, what's the call there? Do you, okay. So on one hand, the you ought to turn them around so that you're wearing them properly. But if you turn them around, all the stuff that is contained in the inside is now free to escape because it would yes. now be on the outside. Yeah. So what did you do? I did what any middle-aged married man would do when he's got that kind of issue. I texted my so wait, wife. You, 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 you took him off and rolled him up and threw him in the garbage can and free balled it the rest of the day? No, I texted, oh, okay. I texted my wife and told her what I did. <laughs> and I said, what should I do? And she said, at this point, you just got to keep wearing them the way they are. Just roll with it. So you just rolled with it, baby, right? What choice did I have? To your yeah, point, I, I'm putting like, um, you know, flex of like poo discharge on the outside that's currently safe and closed in on the inside yeah. if I invert them, right? I think you made the right choice. You have to keep that shit 
contained, right? right. Figuratively and literally. So um, gratuitous boomerism. Um, I, boomer yeah. Bends, what do you score? Yeah. Uh, boomer Benz. Um, first year, year one boomer. To me, this is a boomer track through and through a boomer artist through and through. I will not waste any more time because I told a, a story. I'm giving it a full one. Nice. Nicely done. Category two, excessive misogyny. Rico, how do you score? I think you'll be a little surprised by my score on this. I have lyrics if you need them. Uh, yeah. Why don't you hit me with some lyrics? If you want to hang out, you got to take her out. Cocaine. If you want to get down, down on the ground. Cocaine. She don't lie. She don't lie. She don't lie. Cocaine. If you got bad news, you want to kick them blues. Cocaine. When your day is done and you want to run. Cocaine. She don't lie. She don't lie. She don't lie. Cocaine. All right. So. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, um, I, I've been trying to think of the word that I've wanted to use. So I'm going to use another word because I can't think of the one I really want to use. But this is a, a masked song that is actually an anti drug song. So um, just to get that out of the way, he said, if I wrote a song that was so overtly anti drug, essentially nobody would want to listen to it. So if we did the song in this way, in order to get people to want to listen. So now that that's out of the way, my misogyny score is going to be a one Scott. And let me wow. tell you why, because the bad evil cocaine is given a female gender. Ooh, didn't even which think is, about that. So, so essentially by giving this evil cocaine, the female gender, he's, actually saying that females are bad like cocaine is bad so yeah that gets a like, full one out of me that gets a full one out of me or like the idea that anything that tempts you would be inherently female right 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 <clears throat> like what like like witchy woman from the eagles right you know like like raven hair and ruby lips like that's evil like 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 the female that draws you in and has that magnetism that you can't deny is bad and evil, which is kind of like what he's doing here with the cocaine song. It's like men are not emotionally mature enough to be responsible for their own actions. They somehow, whenever they act, whenever they misbehave or make bad decisions, have to blame it on a woman. Well, she tempted me into, into well, snorting her or, but or that, what but have that's, you. But that's true. We're not emotionally capable of managing our own lives. You had to ask your wife what to do about your underwear being inside out. And I'm laughing about it because talking about, first of all, talking about taking a dump is funny enough because because poop and farts are always funny and they're always going to be funny. So you're absolutely right. Men are not emotionally capable of making rational decisions. So it's super easy for us to get drawn in by the evil woman. So we have yeah, to blame we, women. That's right. We have to. And so for that reason, because of our own emotional <laughs> immaturity, essentially because of our own emotional immaturity, I'm giving him a one for excessive misogyny. Uh, you had remarked that the song is actually anti-drug. Um, I'm on songmeanings.com, and yeah. Sierra1688 actually wrote a nice little piece about breaking down the meaning of the song. So let me just read a little bit from it. Um, yeah. It says, if you stop and think about it, the song is a warning of what happens when you're addicted. And so it says, if you want to hang out, you've got to take her out cocaine he is saying that if you want to hang out with people, you need cocaine to enjoy yourself. If you want to get down, down on the ground, cocaine. If you want to party, you can't do it without cocaine. She don't lie. She don't lie. She don't lie. Cocaine. If you do cocaine, you'll get high. No one's saying you won't. But look at what could happen if you are one of those people who becomes addicted to it. If you get bad news, you want to kick them blues, cocaine. And the writer says, in order to just feel better, you need cocaine. And anytime you're feeling badly, you can't feel better without cocaine. When your day is done and you want to run cocaine, you can't relax or enjoy your time off without cocaine. 
if your thing is gone and you want to ride on cocaine, you can't keep going without cocaine because you were so dependent on it. And finally, don't forget this fact. You can't get it back. Cocaine. I see this line as a warning. You can't go back before you ever did cocaine. So you do more cocaine. And that's from Sierra 1688 on songmeetings.com. I think that individual pretty much nailed it. And and one other addition to that last line about can't get it back. There's been several instances of people discussing um, the times when they've been on massive Coke binges and have massive memory loss. And right. you like David Bowie famously like like Stevie Nicks doesn't remember the 80s because of all the coke she was doing. Right. And it's been there's been several documented discussions about people having gigantic memory lapses. You can't get that back when it's cocaine gone. responsible for giant lapses in memory responsible for overly reverbed drums in the 80s and. <laughs> and baseless mixes in the 80s and also responsible for a bear apparently doing a ton of cocaine and making a splash at the box office here very recently the runaway hit cocaine bear it's it's a movie that's so bad that it's amazing and i want to see it very much I'll hold out for the uh, Joe Bob Briggs version. Oh, um, that would be a great I was not smart enough to uh, pull that off, and I, I don't really want to piggyback your brilliance, so I'll have to stick with my original score of a zero. All right. I'm going to try to pay better attention next time because I think you were right. Let's move on. Category three, wanton whiteness. Eric Clapton, cocaine. How do you score, sir? Well, isn't it, um, isn't it, very white of him to take somebody else's song and get rich and famous off of it that's a very white thing to do right <laughs> so for i mean but in this particular case the guy he took the song from was actually okay with it but it's still very white of him that's a white thing to do to take somebody else's music especially in the 70s and get rich and famous off of it so for that reason he's going to get a full one for me yeah, um, this is a situation where, yes, all of those things are correct. And one could argue that being a white blues artist, you know, this overlaps with culture vulturism a little bit potentially. But Eric Clapton made a career out of um, being inspired by and in some instances overly borrowing from the ideas of others. Um, but I can't let this go in this category with this artist. He also was a proponent. Slowhand came out in 77, November of 77, a year before in August of 76, a shit faced, visibly intoxicated Eric Clapton on stage voiced his support for a far right. A regime in Britain called the National Front that had keep Britain white as their slogan at the time. And this is his exact rant. And I guess for anybody who doesn't want to hear this stuff, I will give the 2023 trigger warning. But he says to the crowd, do we have any foreigners in the audience tonight? If so, please put up your hands. So where are you? Well, wherever you are, I think you should all just leave, not just leave the hall, leave our country. I don't want you here in the room or in my country. Listen to me, man. I think we should vote for Enoch Powell. Enoch's our man. I think Enoch is right. I think we should send them all back. Stop Britain from becoming a black colony. Get the foreigners out. Get the blanks out. Get the blanks out. Keep Britain white. I used to be in the dope. Now I'm into racism. Dude said this on stage. It's much heavier, man. Fucking beep, man. Fucking Saudis taking over London. Bastards. Britain is becoming overcrowded and Enoch will stop it and send them all back. The black blank and blank and Arabs and fucking Jamaicans don't belong here. We don't want them here. This is England. This is a white colony. 
We don't have any black blanks and blanks living here. We don't need, we need to make clear to them they are not welcome. England is for white people, man. This is Great Britain, a white country. What is happening to, what is happening to us for fuck's sake? Throw the blanks out. Keep Britain white. Well, and you know what they say about heavy amounts of booze, right? It's the ultimate truth serum. Yeah. So, so I feel like him going on that rant was how he was feeling deep down in the bowels of his psyche that only came out when he was super shit faced. So I'm buying that. He actually believed that. Yeah, and he's obviously had to respond to this in the decades past. And in fairness, I will give Eric Clapton his uh, rebuttal time here. He says in 70, he says later on in that that year, he says, I just don't know what came over me that night. It must have been something that happened in a day, but it came out in this garbled thing. And then in 2024, he kind of went back on that and said he thought Enoch Powell was outrageously brave. He said the UK was inviting people in as cheap labor and then putting them in the ghetto. And then in 2004, he swings the other way again and says, there's no way I could be a racist. It would make no sense. And he says, uh, uh, what is it? I've sabotaged everything I got involved with. I was so ashamed of who I was, a kind of semi-racist, which didn't make any sense. Half my friends were black. I dated black women and I championed black music. So that would be Eric Clapton's response. But a long way of saying this directly ties in, in my opinion, to the song. There, this, this incident is like a year apart from the release of the song, the release of the album. It's it's kind of in that era, in that soup. And with the category of wanton whiteness, I got to give it a one. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in all of those comments that you read from him, he never really owned it. He always just kind of danced around it and came up with excuses, but never really actually owned it. Like, yeah, I'm a douche for saying that. And I own that I say that. Then I'm really sorry for saying those things and offending. He never really owned any of it. He just kind of danced around it a little bit. That's how I heard it anyways. Well, it's kind of amazing because as you can tell with me reading it, it's a lengthy rant. And if you could imagine like and I bleeped out, I said blanks and bleeps with words that I did not want to read out loud on a podcast for infinity. But it's pretty amazing to look at this from like 2023, you know, through a 2023 lens that someone who had a rant this ugly on stage in the mid 70s had a career, man, for like decades. Afterwards. A great one. A great, successful career. Had big hit records. Journeyman, the, uh, the, the, the fucking unplugged record from the 90s. Big hit songs. I mean... You could not in any way, and this isn't a commentary on cancel culture or anything, but there's just no way you could get away with this today. And it's, oh amazing. my God, he would be absolutely vaporized for that if he said that now. I mean, this is a Richard Spencer fucking rant here. I mean, you would be, there's no way you get away with this in any way. It's like, and it's amazing to me that he could say this on stage in the 1970s and have a career for decades to follow and no one batted an eye it's just amazing nobody thought twice about it he did a whole record with bb king it's like you know but i mean in in like the 2000s or in the 90s he did a whole record with bb king it's like you know it's amazing it's crazy that's just how white folks will do you anyway category four malignant machismo rico cocaine eric clapton how do you score um i'm trying i'm trying to search around for uh like the various forms of machismo that we've discussed over the 60 some podcast that episodes that we've done i can't really find i can't really find any form of machismo that warrants anything above a zero i'm so i'm just gonna give this one a zero yeah, it's 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 not in the song unless you again wanted to look at the the gendering of the drug, right? And so it puts the yeah. singer of the song in a in a male position, but I'm I might be reaching at that point. I had it scored a zero two just because I just can't I can't find it. Um but Eric Clapton, 
bad dude, man. I mean, some malignant machismo. He's like hanging out with George Harrison and they become good buddies. They're making music together. They and then steals his wife. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm looking at Wiki again. This is Wikipedia, but he says at the time he's married to um to Boyd, who was um, you know, uh George Harrison's wife. He's he's a full blown alcoholic and admitted to raping and abusing her while they were married. I mean, this guy is a bad guy, well publicized. Again, amazing dude. that Eric he's a bad dude. just has had a career, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it with to your to your words, with the 2023 lens on, I'm baffled that this guy had a career. Yeah. Patty Boyd, yep, who was Patty Boyd, 79 years old. But yeah. yeah amazing but yeah in spite of all of that and in spite of his macho uh actions for the song itself and sticking to the science i have to score it a zero yeah rico the final category culture vulturism how do you score oh yeah that well for, first i mean the the entire album including this song is full on tulsa fucking chicken picking you know, th if this album came out today, it would be a full-on country album. Um, back then, the, it, everything was rock. There was thirty-seven thousand different versions of rock and roll, but it was all rock. You didn't have all of the all of the different subgenres having names like like now. It was just all rock. And so when this came out, it was just it was just rock. But this is a full-on JJ Kale, chicken pick in Tulsa, Oklahoma sound that. Eric Clapton was riding that wave like him and Knopfler and Waylon Jennings and all those guys rode, rode JJ Kale's wave. And so this is a full on 1.0 in my opinion. Yeah. Well, well put. And I'm going to agree. I'm going to give it a one as well. And just, if you can allow me a late digression here, I'll make it quick. Um, I went through a phase. I was a total punk rock, heavy metal kid as a teenager. And then when I got into my twenties, I was like, I got to grow up and listen to like adult music, you know, and like <laughs> stretch my, like expand my mind a little bit. And oddly enough, for whatever reason, I define that as like, Ooh, I need to figure out what this Eric Clapton thing is all about. Right. So, so I dove in the, to cream and I dove in the Derek and the dominoes and I bought all of these Eric Clapton solo albums. I had the fucking box set, the gray box set. I had slow hand. I had journeyman that eighties FM radio blues. He was doing that was just fucking awful. I was trying to listen to all that and I was like making myself listen to it in an effort to kind of like mature a little bit musically. And truth be told, I never liked any of this shit, man. I never did. The only record of his I really, really actually liked was that MTV Unplugged one that he did. Yeah, but that I, was pretty good. Rico, I was literally at a certain point in my life, like forcing Eric Clapton music down my throat. Now, when I'm at a wedding or something and I hear Wonderful Tonight, I just want to rest. Oh, I, it's, it's nauseating. <laughs> I hate that song. I pretty much hate, if I'm honest with myself... I don't like his fucking. Music. I would rather do the personal Jesus dance at the wedding than <laughs> than than uh, listen to that song at a wedding. This song, Cocaine, I like. It's okay. I've heard it a million it's times. Okay. But I, I pretty much just think I've come to the conclusion that I, I like some cream, but I don't like Eric Clapton as a solo artist, even though there was a point in my life when I really tried to educate myself on Eric Clapton. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. Um, there are plenty of guys out there that play his style of blues way better than he does. Um, yeah. And, and um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. Like my, I was listening to this album in my sister's bedroom when I was like eight, and nine years old, when they had this album and it first came out and they had it. And right. I was listening to it when it was fresh off the presses. And so that's how I remember this album. Um, this song is just kind of okay. Um, yep. I agree with you. It's the most famous one. Frankly, I'm a much, much bigger fan of Lay Down Sally on this album. I really, really like that song, actually, a lot, actually. And it's more chicken picking than, than probably any of the other songs on yeah. the album. 
but just the the whole the whole way it's written and laid out and performed i just really am a big fan of that song more than this one but i i totally agree with you he is i hate to say it he's really overrated man yeah yeah really overrated yeah no hot take there i i actually i agree all right, Rico, rock and roll autopsy. It's time to tally them up, man. I got to ask you to do some math. Get those shoes and socks off. What do you have? I had to get my abacus out. Um, I've got uh, one, two, three. I've got four points. Ooh, and I've got one, two. I've got three points, Rico, for a total of seven points. Where does that fall on our scale? Did it? Let's see. Wait, seven, seven killed rock, right? Yeah, I mean, we only took one week off, Rico. Uh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... <laughs> so much for side episodes. <laughs> and that is our hot take for the night. Um, that I forgot my own system that we've created. Um, so, yeah, dude, this song... Is this again the science works? This song, the song killed rock. It's 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 a boomer song with with it's somebody else's boomer song played in a boomer way by a boomer <laughs> guy who is way overrated and not even really that great of a guy to begin with. So and yeah, an all around bad rock. guy. Yeah. So this song totally landed right where it's supposed to land. Yeah, I agree. Hey, the science works, man. I had fun tonight, Rico. You? Me too. Me too. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been Rock and Roll Autopsy. Good night now. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. You guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. To the door, love it to the morning. I'm gone. I'm gone. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs>